From Westside Church in Bend, Oregon, you're listening to Behind the Message. take you behind what we teach here at Westside. I'm Ben Fleming. I'm Evan Earwicker, and we have with us our now regular, not even a guest host, Casey Parnell. Feel so official. <laughs> you I love that. You feel been, really special right now. I am. My mom always said I was special, and so, mm. yeah, I don't know what she meant by that. But, Praise God for mama. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Kathy Parnell. She's a saint. She's a saint. <laughs> love you, mom. <laughs> Your you mom a regular listener? Um, I doubt it. <laughs> I, I don't think my mom listens. How about yours, man? Uh, no, my mom. There's no chance my mom listens. Not at all. Podcast app would be incredibly confusing. Yeah. Yeah. So this past weekend, I spoke here at the church, and we're in a series on prayer. And uh, something that is kind of convicting for me, I don't know about you guys, but I, whenever I look at teaching on prayer and dive into this, I walk away feeling like, man... Prayer is something that is so necessary, so central, and something that I do not um, dive into like I should. Yeah. Um, I am, and we just had our staff chapel, so I'm I'm really inspired right now. I just, um, I feel like I want a revolution of prayer in my own life. And so beyond even like just listening to the messages in this series, I've just been praying and asking God, like revolutionize my prayer life, like make it simple, make it powerful. And, and I'm just realizing I have to take the time. I have to flex that muscle, um, even more, but not make it feel like this heavy thing. Like I feel lighter in it. I feel more like it's more powerful and more effective in my life, but just kind of recognizing I need prayer. I need that secret place, that intimacy with God. Um, and then, and then praying for other people as well. So what does, that, what does that look like in your life, Casey? You've been working in the church. You've been a Christian for a long, long time. Uh, for for someone out there who might be only knowing you from afar, the idea of Casey Parnell or Evan Earwicker having to revolutionize your prayer life, what does that look like on the day-to-day? What, what, what's changing? Yeah. Um, you know, I think for a long time, I, I looked at prayer as a list. Um and so I'd go through a list of prayer items or whatever, or have them in the back of my mind, or I'd put a post-it on my mirror. Um, somebody even taught me one time, like, every time you tie your shoes, pray for one specific thing. So you remember, <laughs> you know, something, it, it, attach it to a practical thing. Yeah. Um, but as I've matured, um, I don't know, as I've matured in my faith, as I've grown, as I've walked this down this pathway, um, it's definitely more relational than anything. Um and I, I want to be a friend of God. I want to walk with Jesus. And but you look you look at his life and you look at his strength and and you see he refuels as was his habit, as was his ethos. His way was to get away from the crowds. And Jesus had a way harder time than I did getting right. away from the crowds. I mean, he'd disappear. He'd you know send his disciples across. I, I don't know, Casey. You're pretty popular in crowds. It's hard to get you out of rooms sometimes. <laughs> Let's be honest, it's easier for me to get away than it is for you. Yeah, it's actually late to this podcast people, because I was talking to people. People beg me to leave the room, but you... Always. Well, you think, you look at his life. I mean, he was a celebrity in his day and he uh, he had a hard time um, and, and he still made it, it was a habit. It was built into his life and I had a leader say, private prayer equals public power. 
and not that we are attempting really the goal isn't even public power and authority or whatever the goal um is intimacy with god is the secret place and a friendship that's cultivated over years mm-hmm. and um and you think about any friendship that you have like friendship i have with you guys like it's it's not that hard. It's, uh, you right. know, we goof around, we talk about sports or life or whatever. We go to meals and there's this sort of effortless thing attached to it. Um, that's true friendship. And we don't come with an agenda. You know, sometimes yeah. uh, if I'm meeting for coffee with, you know, a young adult or whatever, somebody that is looking for mentorship, I always cringe if a list comes out of like, here's the things I was, I wanted to talk to you about. Yeah. I'm just like, Oh, oh, oh you know, no. please stop. Suck the oxygen <laughs> you know, out of the room. Cause when you're, yeah. when you're in a friendship, a close relationship, that's not necessary. And it's not bad to have a prayer list, but at some point you have to say, where's the relationship in just my uh, ticking through my agenda in prayer. And can we talk about some of the, the, just the behind the message, I guess, of exactly that. We're talking about teach us to pray. And we've even referenced a few times it, when we, when we come to prayer, we have something in mind so often. Um, how can we, how can we bring those things to the father? Evan, this last week, you talked a lot about submittance and what submittance looks like. And I believe that submittance is coming without that agenda. And we've talked about being with the father. How do we kind of put these two things together because we need things and we want things. And we're being told right now, because it's, it's the truth. It's what the word is telling us that it's this relationship with the father that we're coming without an agenda, but kind of, here's my agenda <laughs> kind of a thing that happens. How do we push these two well, things? together? I think it's the order. Um, and Steve has talked about this as well. Uh, if you, if you skip over the first three parts, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. If you skip over that right to the petition, you're going to get it wrong. Um, your agenda is going to be the thing. Mm. And what I've loved about these past three weeks in this teaching is the approach is everything. Yeah. Um, understanding our relationship as uh, children of a good father, uh, mm-hmm. coming, placing his name and his greatness above ours, and then submitting to his authority. You do all three of those things. Whatever comes next is going to be a whole different level of appropriateness mm. than if that's the first thing you jump to. Any petition, if it's preceded, I think, by those three things, comes from a place of uh, relationship, you know? And so it's that order that I think is so critical. I think there's, a, you know, people, even growing up, prayer could seem bored, but I was thinking this weekend, like boring to some, but how it's shifted in my life is that when it starts with our father, when it starts with that perspective, that's what becomes irresistible about, about prayer Mm. because it's so relational. Um, and that he's a personal God. He's not, he's not looking like you said. Yeah. When, when Clara, I I can't remember the example you gave about Clara this weekend. Yeah. When she comes in from the outside, uh, from playing and then sits down for dinner. Sometimes she doesn't make the transition into inside voices. <laughs> I love that imagery. And so she'll be shouting <laughs> yeah. at us just a few inches away across the table. Yeah. And the, my response is like, you don't have to yell. <laughs> yeah. And I think, uh, moving from that, uh, the, the transactional thing, it, it, it's personal. What it, she's relation. It's like, yeah. this is relationship. This is the family table. We, we talk, we laugh, we share, um, and there's a there is an ebb and flow to it, and when things are taken out of context, like yelling at the dinner table, it just feels odd. So, yeah. you think about that in the place of prayer. Yeah, what is the natural flow? There's a natural flow to it, and I think that's what's so powerful about the Lord's yeah. prayer. If I can expand on that story, actually, last night, and I wasn't even thinking about this in regards to prayer, but same kind of situation 
where we're at dinner and my daughter um, was trying to get my attention and she has this habit that's cropped up. I'm sorry for all the daughter stories, but it's where I that's live. Great. So yeah. it's your life, but real life, she started like hitting me. And at first it was just like tapping me, but then she'll like hit me uh, like full on slap my shoulder or my head or whatever to mm-hmm. get my attention. And, uh, and so last night I was like, Clara, you got to understand how to get my attention. Come over here. So I, <laughs> I had her stand up and I said, stand right next to me. Now don't hit me. Okay, now you take both your arms and put them around my neck and lean on my shoulder because then you'll be so irresistible to me that I'll be like, oh, hi, Claire. What do you need? That's genius. And I explained this to her and then she started doing it and it was like the sweetest thing because, of course, as a dad, I can't resist it when she's being that yeah, kind of affectionate right. towards me. And I didn't even think about an application to prayer, but that's so true. Like if we're, if we're always like hitting God and saying, you know, listen to me. Why aren't you responding? Um, as opposed to saying, you know, Father, I'm here. I love you. I'm affectionate towards you. That's yeah. the whole difference. And that I'm submitting. And I think yeah. that's one of the difficult things about what you preached this last weekend. Even the word submittance kind of has a negative connotation to it in a lot of ways. You know, we think about, um, you know, maybe improper sexual relationships, or we even think you brought up UFC, you yeah, know, that, where that's funny. being submitted is, uh, is kind of a forced thing that, that happens to you as opposed to something that you are presenting, of course, to your opponent, or in this case, the father. What do we get wrong about this idea of submittance? Because I would wager that there's maybe some people listening to this podcast or some people that were in our church this last weekend and the word submittance came up and they were like, Oh my gosh, here's, here's another pastor. Here's another preacher. That's trying to get me just to, to, to be benign and to be weak again. Uh, what do we get wrong about this idea of submittance specifically when it comes to prayer? I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is, uh, that we just don't have the same perspective as the father. You look at, at you look at Evan and his life. He, he right now, sorry, Clara, but he knows better than you. Uh, you're she's five, right? Yeah. So Clara's five. Evan's just going to know better. He he knows that you know walking out into a big open highway is going to be a bad idea for her. You right. know that like going up and petting a dog that looks ferocious is going to be bad. Because why? Because it's going to hurt you. So I think there's part of the submission um, is a mental thing where you just go, I don't know everything. I don't see everything. The Father who knows all and sees all um, is is going to. He's just smarter than me mm-hmm. about the world. Yeah. And that is a submission um, mm-hmm. because we all want to be right all the time. I think that's an idol is just trying. I want to be right. I want to be right. Yeah. Um, and just submitting and saying, I'm I'm not right. I don't see it all. Even if something looks good, it might not be good. The Father knows best for me. Yeah. And that is, that's been a clear message for me through this whole thing. And that's the first layer of submission for me is just saying, God, you know best. Yeah. yeah. And, and then pray and our prayers aren't going to be perfect right after that like they're going to be there's still going to be a childlike nature to them just because we don't see them but when we come to god in that proper perspective like you're saying um i don't even think it's like god hears more i just think we our our hearts feel that intimacy more um it's more effective for us in a way yeah that makes sense and contentment i keep coming back to that phrase and it's it's been meaning a lot to me lately of uh, everything with contentment, uh, it, it changes how we feel about it, you know? And so this concept of we can submit to God, if we're discontent in that submission, it's going to be a burden. Yeah, It's going to be feel forced. It's going to be, I don't want to do this, mm-hmm. but okay, fine. Uh, and we see in the Lord's Prayer in the life of Jesus, his willingness to submit to the Father is something he does with contentment. I believe even in the garden when it's out of agony and he doesn't want to 
say yes to what he has to, still submitting to the Father is is something that he is most at home doing. I mean, this is his yeah, life, right. is he's living yeah. in submission to the Father. This is his content place. And right. so even in the garden, um, he's in agony about what he's going to face. He's not in agony about being with the Father. That's home. I mean, yeah. that's home base for him. And I think too often it's not home base for me. You know, yeah, that was one. I thought your one of your strongest points this weekend. You had some great analogies and everything, but that concept of contentment in prayer. Do you have any practical um, ways for anyone listening now? Because I think contentment is one of the big issues, whether we realize it or not, in our society today. Everyone's flipping through Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and trying to um, and seeing other people's lives and really not the nitty gritty of their lives for the most part, but the the best moments of their life, and then comparing their reality to that. But so I think contentment or discontentment can settle in in certain circumstances. Can you talk about contentment in your own life? What you've yeah. learned about that? I mean, my life, good or bad or ugly, my life and probably the majority of of our listeners' lives uh, compared to the average life even 150 years ago is you know a king's luxury. I mean, it's like we, we <laughs> the live king's table. I mean, the conveniences and the luxury and the, the ease and comfort of life and not saying people don't have hard stuff and there's not real issues out there in poverty and abuse and, um, you know, mental illness, obviously there's stuff out there, but in general, the things that we become discontent about so many times are, uh, is that comparison to somebody else's life yeah. or their kids or, uh, their relationships or, you know, um, their vacations, all these not necessarily superficial, but many times superficial things. And uh, that comparison only exists because we have access to compare. <laughs> you know, we, yeah. we have the ability to go on and view other people's lives through the lens that they choose for us to view them. Uh, and it's just, it's fantasy. And so trying to break out of the fantasy world um, that we compare our real life to it, we have to do that. And I don't know how you do that. I don't know if you turn off social media and disconnect or do that, you know, uh, yeah. set intervals. We talked about that last week with Pastor Steve, but this constant comparison, and some people don't struggle with this. Some people really do. If you really struggle with comparison yeah. and you're constantly watching other people's lives through their Instagram filters, like uh, probably should need to turn that off. Yeah. And it, one of the things that I hope people are understanding when, cause we've brought this subject up a few times. I know that I have in sermons and, you know, comparison is a major issue, especially among, I would say younger people, but really amongst humanity right now. Um, and the big thing that I want people to know is that when we talk about don't compare, we're not saying don't be driven and don't be inspired. You know, something that we're doing at Westside yeah. right now is we've just created this ministry called Stories that your your team is heading up in the mm-hmm. creative department, Casey. And we're trying to tell people stories so that other people can be inspired and understand that they have hope and that that there's, there's potential for God to come through in a similar way um, that it did for somebody else. And so we want you to be inspired. We want you to be pushed. We want you to understand that you have the strength to achieve that everything God has has built you and equipped you to achieve. But when it begins to tip over into comparison and we begin to get discontentment involved and we're no longer submitted, that is, is, a, is a difficult thing to fully find and understand. But that is where we have to understand we're not submitted anymore to the Father. We're not submitted anymore to His calling. Instead, we want someone else's calling instead of ours. And when you talk about contentment, I think that's why in the Lord's Prayer, Evan, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, this worship, this perspective comes into place. The thing I've been thinking about a lot 
with setting uh, your life. It's really a life setup. It's like uh, a cadence for your life. I start with worship and praise, but the word remember keeps coming up for me in terms of battling discontentment because I've battled this in my own life. Mm. Um, and and I, I'm just like anybody else have looked over the fence and said, oh, I wish my life was like that or whatever. But um, mainly in terms of the NBA and, uh, yeah. you know, NBA players yeah. and stuff. But no, <laughs> I don't know. I've oh. seen you jump. You're so close. Oh, yeah. No, you now know, I'm, on that level. I'm etching towards 40 and I have <laughs> these nagging injuries that don't go away now and all of that. So, oh, I have that too. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It's real life. Pain. But so uh, back to what I was saying. I am not content. You're, <laughs> I'm not, not content with this body. You're in your 20s still, aren't you, Ben? I know. Yeah, I'm ben, 20, you? I've got like a 29. rib out or something right now. <laughs> I don't know. Can ribs just go out? No, you still have time to heal if you're 29. <laughs> a couple so, years. Yeah. Um, but remembering has been a, a huge deal. Uh, we know about this for, in Scripture, but memorial stones. They set up a pile of memorial stones, and this was common in that day, too, not just the one Scripture we read in, about Joshua and the people crossing the Jordan. Pile up those stones. But, um, you know, we can remember, and I was even talking, we have missionaries here, uh, Adriel and Ryan Booker from Australia, and they were, they reminded me that we had been in Cairo with them 10 years ago or something. Mm-hmm. And we did this thing called the Day of Compassion, where it's basically a YWAM conference we, uh, we played music at. But, um, we went out for this Day of Compassion. We sent vans all over Cairo. And Cairo, if you know it, is a massive city, 18 million people, unofficially. It's huge. And um, we went out to the city and served the city on one day. And I was in a van with six different nations represented. There was like 10 of us in a van and there's Sudanese and, you know, uh, Germans and Australians and me and Canadians and all these people. And we went and served this orphanage, this Muslim orphanage. And from that moment, they're like, remember, you guys came back and you started days of service. You started the heart campaign which is, uh, if you don't know what that is, we basically served our cities and did like music outreaches uh, in every community in Central Oregon, and then we did one in Boise and Medford as well. Um, and some of those were really large events, and some of them weren't, but they all had a service element where we served the city we were in. And that started from that moment of remembrance with them. And so um, d- discontentment is battled through remembering and thankfulness. Mm. And us like being practical about cataloging those things down um, and, yeah. and writing them down and remembering. And maybe you have a list of remembrance in, the, in some place in your Evernote or your journal, and you just go back to it when you feel that discontentment creep up. That could be a cool idea. I have a cousin, and I was over at their house, and uh, they had a, like a shadow box, you know, like you would hang medals in or awards uh, on the wall, oh, like a picture yeah. frame, but it's yeah. a little deep. Yeah. And they had um, all these... Uh, documents and things made out into like this little plaque of when they were able to purchase their first house together and it had a date and said, you know, we're thankful to the Lord for providing for us. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking I would never, you know, that's not my taste in decor. I probably would never hang that on my wall, but I so appreciated the sentiment of we're not going to just live our lives always just looking forward to what, what do I need now? What's going to be my next thing? How can I get more? But we're going to look back and say, God really did some cool things. Look where he's brought us. Mm -hmm. And I think back in my life, imagine 15 years ago, looking at where I'm at now, how amazing that would have been to a 15 year old younger (laughs) me to see where I'm at now and say, man, I, you know, I've come a long way 
and and sure there's more distance to go yeah. but where god has brought me is is incredible and so taking those moments just to say wow this is good you know that that brings contentment when you guys aren't content what is it usually about what do you find yourself finding discontentment in in your own lives yeah um my dinner no <laughs> yeah taco Thank bell you. taco bell uh, yeah yeah no. i finished my chalupa and i want another wow. you know a chalupa mm, it's been like a decade <laughs> yeah um no i think you know if i'm honest life circumstances um you know discontentment in um what i've been able to accomplish so far you know you, when i'm 35 yeah, I don't like keep talking about my age, but I'm 35 and I'm starting to look back a little more and just say like, what if, what has the last 35 years meant? And there's been some really great things and some regrets and some things I wish I would have done differently. Um, yeah, I don't know. Life circumstances. I can't really yeah. put a pin on it totally, but I, yeah, I think missed opportunities tend to be a big one. Um, I don't know in ministry, you know, we're all pastors and it's about, starting and building and, and initiatives and it's not just a, a career, set career path. And so I think there's always room to look back and wish, wish you'd taken some opportunities um, that you didn't or, uh, you know, just gotten out there more and, and done more. And I don't know, it, it's kind of a dead end thought process though. Cause where does that lead? Uh, I don't know. So in a way you look back and remember, but you can't stay back and, and dwell on, missed opportunities. I don't think. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. And this weekend you connected it to that place of prayer, which I loved. And you would think about a father. And if your kid comes to you, you know, Ben, if Joel comes to you Mm -hmm. and he's just like, Oh, my life, my life is so bad. You know, he's (laughs) always complaining about his life and like, I don't like what we eat and I don't like what you'd be like, listen, I have given you so much child, (laughs) right? Is that what your perspective would be like? Or would you just, I don't know how, I mean, Joel is so sweet. It's hard to even imagine him doing it. It's always my perspective. Yeah. I like, am so jealous of my son. (laughs) (laughs) This is your area of discontentment. It is an area of discontentment. It's so funny when we, um, we used to, right after Rebecca and I got married, uh, we came up to Sun River and I'd never been to Sun River. I grew up in a pastor's family, pastor and a teacher. We never went on vacation. If we did, it was for like an overnight or went to grandma's in Montana in a small town and that was it. And my wife had grown up going to Sun River, her mm-hmm. whole, her whole growing up. Her parents owned a place out there and we would vacation for a week or two weeks in Sun River. And I was like, this is insane. Yeah. This is adult <laughs> Disneyland. You know, like I cannot believe yeah. this is insane. Yeah. And then since we moved to Bend, you know, everything that we have access to, it's silly stuff. Like my kid goes to a trampoline park and dunks on the basketball hoop. Like this is beyond my wildest dreams when I was yeah. a child. And so I think about that sometimes and think, oh man, what you what we've accomplished and how we've pushed forward. And yeah, it's funny because I think about some of the discontentment in my own life. And then I think um, where I find contentment, I guess, is to bring this all the way back around in, in a good spin for me personally, is when I find myself being discontent, I think about the shoulders that my kids get to stand on. Mm-hmm. And not even just in location, yeah. you know, that we live in Bend and, you know, they don't grow up in Glendale or whatever. That has nothing to do with it. But just so much of the things that have gone in my life that have cleared away for my children that they get to start that much further ahead. And maybe right. I haven't accomplished everything that I want to, um, but I believe that my family and my kids get to be in a better place. They get to do some cool things, see some cool things, experience God in a certain way because of what has been accomplished. Yeah. yeah. I was taking my daughter to the library last night because she wanted some CDs and audiobooks and stuff. 
But then she was crying on the way because I had this little bar, ball of yarn in my pocket that she wanted. And so she was just like having a fit over this ball of yarn. <laughs> and I said, hang on. You know, everything I do, I do for you. Where are we going right now? You think, and I, I asked her this, you think we'd go to the library if it was just me alone? No. You know, and I would be nice about it. But I was trying to explain to her like, listen, you might be upset about these little things, but everything in our lives so really centers around, you know, your future and your health and your happiness. And, and I'll say, I, I get that way with God, you know, where I'm like so whiny about something. And yeah. the perspective should be, Everything is for you. You know, I've done so much yeah. uh, to bring you into a place uh, that you don't deserve. You didn't earn this. You don't. You didn't earn your influence. You didn't earn the life you have, the family you have, the the uh, possibilities that are in your life. You didn't earn that. I provided that. And so, getting that perspective, and I think this is what prayer does, is it resets perspective. Yeah. Um, and if that's the one thing. Um, I wanted to do more right now than I did a month ago was say, God, reset my perspective in prayer. Um, mm-hmm. Give me that place where I can, I can see things for what they are and not be so whiny mm-hmm. about, you know, uh, what do I need today? No, I, give me a perspective. So when I say, give me, give me this day, my daily bread, I can say it without a sense of whininess, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, the perspective thing for the prayer, this prayer series has been huge for me. Um, I have not, I, for, we also in the midst of this series switched our service time. So we moved, have you guys talked about this on, maybe on this, I'm not sure if you have, but we talked about it really um, briefly with Steve when it comes to service times, but we basically, um, started all Sunday service times. We had a Saturday service and Sunday services, and now we're basically doing the Sunday hustle. Like we're here all day. And, um, but, uh, in the switch of that, and I just felt the, the, after the first weekend we switched for three days, I was in a fog. I just felt weighty and I was like, am I hungry? Yeah. It's usually the first thing I'm like kind of grumpy. <laughs> I edgy. gotta be hungry. I'm like, I've got to eat like something's wrong. And then, you know, after I eat, I feel the same way. And just for three days, just kind of like weary and tired in an odd way. And I realized on Wednesday, it took me three days from Sunday to realize this, that I was dealing with a spiritual attack. And, um, I was dealing with, um, principalities and powers against not flesh and blood, not anything physical, but actually a spiritual thing. And so, um, I, I text Brent who Evan's brother, Brent, who's a missionary in Uganda. And I said, can we just go and pray and worship on Tuesday morning? You know, I took me all the way till, but I need to worship. I need to pray. So we met, um, on a morning and we just worshiped and prayed for an hour and it was simple and it wasn't, it was just like I would play the piano and then he would. And if you don't play the piano, you can obviously turn music on or whatever. And yeah. this, but I had to change the atmosphere of my heart because I was dealing with, um, uh, spiritual warfare, but I didn't recognize it. It took me three days. And mm. so now I'm saying, God, if I'm, and maybe a leader's out there right now and you're dealing with something and you can't explain it and you're heavy and you're edgy. Um, have you know? Have you then taken it to the place of prayer? Are you recognizing, even having the, the lens, the perspective, like Evan is saying, that there is something happening um, that's spiritual um, that is coming against you? Um, and that's been a big thing for me too, because I just don't. I always want to like explain it away as like a physical. Yeah, thing. I just didn't you know what I mean. Sleep or yeah, yeah. Just oh, I'm just tired or yeah, I ate something weird or I didn't eat or yeah. You know, and I need to go exercise now. And there's just some, there's some things in this life 
that cannot be yeah. shaken or changed just by us changing something physical. And I think that's an important place for some people to start. Now, maybe you're somebody out there, and I think, especially our culture falls victim to this really often. We fall victim to the, I'm just hungry, I just am going to go work out, and everything is going to be fine. Get those endorphins going. Yeah, but but maybe you're someone that you realize that anytime somebody asks you, hey, how you doing? How are things going? You're one of the people that responds, yeah, I'm just tired you know i'm just well we're making it and it's well stressed out you know and it, and you find yourself saying this all the time it's not just a day because you had a couple extra meetings it's not just a time that you actually just got five hours of sleep but you find this becoming a lifestyle i think you might be able to um you might be able to identify with casey's story a little bit that maybe you're facing a spiritual attack and this is a time where teach us to pray we're learning how to pray when when coming to the father in in submission um and using this order of the lord's prayer can really really come in handy for you uh, to, to use it as a weapon against what's coming against you. Yeah. And I think there's a pushback in us to not be overly mystical. I think, right. you know, maybe we used to be that way yeah, or something. We don't so weird. we want to stay away from that. Uh, but at the end of the day, if we are people of faith, if we're Christians, if we believe the Bible, uh, then we have to understand that there's a spiritual side to everything, that we live in a spiritual world. And so we have to to have yeah. eyes open to that. And we can't, mm-hmm. we can't claim to be people of faith and then say, but well, we don't mess with that spiritual stuff. Of course not. Like we have to understand that this is right. both. And prayer is really a bridge between what we can see with our eyes and what things are unseen. And when we tap into the things that are unseen and into the, the place where God can, can intervene and have effect in our lives beyond just, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what's in front of our eyes. That's a place of power. That's a place mm-hmm. of authority. And that's the place that I think the Lord's Prayer was inviting us into. Yeah. It's, you know, you can only do so much uh, with the strength you have. When you come to the end of that, when you come to that place where you feel weighted down and heavy, you have to do something else. Yeah. And that's what the prayer does, um, is it taps us into the power of the Holy Spirit and the authority that, he, that comes from Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And both of those things can be true. Maybe you have experienced in your life some some weird theological or, or practices from a church or whatever where people were trying to get attention and you know that was true and they were talking about all these spiritual things as an excuse to be loud and to be weird and to be crazy and all that. Maybe that has actually happened to you, but that still doesn't mean that we don't actually face a battle in the spiritual realm. Both mm-hmm. of those things can exist. You can't have the over the top people that really aren't doing it in a Jesus way and still understand that this is a battle that we have to face and it's something that we have to take on and not just push it away and count it as something that weird Pentecostal churches do, but it's something that happens in your own life and you got to fight it this way. Yeah. I think that's a great point. I know every, I, everyone I know has had weird spiritual experiences. I've probably caused some of those weird spiritual experiences for people (laughs) just in my own immaturity as a leader. And that's fine. Everybody who's ever experienced that for me, please forgive me if you're listening to this podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew not what I did. Okay. So, um, but in all reality, yeah, it's uh, there's a spiritual world. There just is. You either believe it or you don't. You have to Mm -hmm. decide if you believe this or not. And if everything's physical, then that does change what faith is to you or what that means. And what's the, what's the need of prayer at all? If there is no spiritual realm, right? Yeah. right. And yeah. this is some Jesus directly talked about. He dealt with, you know, when he was, he was fasting, Satan came and met with him and tempted him and all of these things. This is some Jesus talked about. So if you're a Jesus yeah. person, the spiritual aspect has to be existent in this. Yeah. I was on a run. It's uh, Halloween time. So it's interesting to like, think about 
these things because it's very heightened spiritually around Halloween. Don't you <laughs> yeah, agree? I know, sure. and, and not like, oh, the church needs to come against the works of the devil or whatever. It's yeah. like I, that stuff. So well, we have a harvest party around but here, right? I was right. Because only Jesus does harvest. Yeah, we have a harvest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's got to be a harvest party. Um, and so I was on a run the other day and I ran past these people's house with a gate and there's this like ghoulish, like bloody thing hanging from this gate and when you run past it it screams <laughs> uh, and no! it scared oh the my god heck out of me. it just scared me so bad i jumped off the sidewalk <laughs> I was like, oh, what is wrong? why do people love this so much you know i'm probably on youtube right I know, now I they probably have a camera oh, I, I would totally do that's amazing <laughs> thank you that was a gift actually um i want to watch that but um it, it's a i don't know why we why we do why we do that, like the fear that maybe there's excitement and fear or whatever. Um, but all this, that to say, it's like a very uh, heightened spiritual time. And uh, if you feel that, I don't want to, you know, I, if you feel that heaviness, if you feel that weight, you can break through it. And even beyond just like, I'm trying to break through the heaviness, um, the, uh, prayer will help you see. It'll like put glasses on your eyes and help you actually see what's going on, so you know how to deal with it spiritually. If it's a spiritual issue, issue you know how to deal with it spiritually. It'll give you the the lens um, to be able to see that. Otherwise, you might live in a fog for a while. Like maybe I yeah. could have caught what I was dealing with on Monday had I been in prayer more. Yeah. You know, but it took me a couple yeah. days. And I referenced in my message, uh, Jesus meeting with Nicodemus, and he was a guy who liked things that he could see and, and prove on paper, right? Yeah. And Jesus is trying to explain to him, uh, you know, we're talking about two different worlds here. You're talking about flesh giving birth to flesh. I'm talking about the spirit giving birth to spirit. Yeah. Uh, and this, this is something that we have to grasp if we want to accept what Jesus taught and who Jesus was, is that there's two sides to this. And, and, Prayer is the the gateway that leads us into it. And I think that feeling is, that same Nicodemus feeling is the reason that a lot of times we want to treat this prayer like a list, like we talked about at the yeah. beginning of this podcast, so that we are listening to the Lord's Prayer and Jesus talking about how to pray. We talk about the spiritual realm and then we go, oh, so make a list and then go down the list. And it's just same conversation that Jesus is having. Jesus is like, this is not, this is not what I'm talking about. When I, when I'm talking about returning to the, you know, I'm not re- talking about returning to your mother's room. I'm talking about being born again in a completely different sense. And that is where the spiritual realm plays within the scope of prayer. Yeah. Well, guys, uh, thanks for joining us today. Um, yeah. Great conversations about prayer. And I'm, I'm really, uh, Interested as we step now into kind of the petition side of the Lord's Prayer, what it means when we do have needs. I mean, this is obviously yeah. be a big deal um, when we get to that point where we say, this is what's going on in my life, God, I need you to intervene and what that looks like. So we'll be back next week uh, with Pastor Steve as we talk about this concept of petition. Until then, you can check us out, all of our sermons at westsidechurch.org and our podcast at behindthemessage.org.